Hi, welcome friends to Donna's Intermittent Fasting Broadcast number 57. I am excited today to bring you some um, new to me material uh, that I've been learning uh, over the past several months as a result of weight loss coaching and as a result of um, the Atomic Habits book that I talk about, as a result of uh, our own journeys, my husband and I, in losing uh, 215 pounds together, as a result of a couple of great books, Atomic Habits and um, Willpower, and just what I have been learning and bringing all of this together. Uh, you probably have noticed that I have um, broadened. I won't say changed because I'm still teaching intermittent fasting all the time, still have the intermittent fasting course available starting actually uh, the first Monday of the month, of the new month, and um, still practicing intermittent fasting every single day, never ever going off of intermittent fasting, um, and still doing all of those things. But the closer that my husband and I have gotten to our goal weight, uh, the more we have come to understand uh, what it takes to get to goal weight, to what it get, what it takes to um, achieve weight management and maintain your uh, weight loss, and also the more intermittent fasting has helped us to be able to make food and lifestyle and activity changes. And that has been so amazing because uh, if you're like us, we spend our life our lives trying to suppress overeating, trying to white knuckle, trying to um, change food habits only to go back to previous food habits and so forth. And intermittent fasting has brought this all together for us in a, an amazing way. Some of them I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, this broadcast is called The One Huge Mistake People Make When Trying to Lose Weight and five ways to overcome that mistake. This is part one of two. So today I'm gonna to be focusing a lot on the mistakes, sorry about that, um, and a lot of the things that we do wrong um, as it relates to that mistake. And then next week I have the five solutions. I'm so excited about this material. I just, I know it's life changing, been life changing for us and I feel that it will be life changing for you as well. So I am going to get into it. The number one huge mistake that we have made and that we other people make when trying to lose weight is that of relying on willpower. Now, uh, we rely on willpower, of course, through uh, making a plan, uh, buying food, cleaning out, developing an exercise program, all of these things, um, and saying we're going to start on this day. All right, now this usually happens on the weekend uh, especially on Sundays, and we're usually starting on Monday. And that is the, the nature of willpower. The nature of willpower is to think that we can accomplish it later. That we will, uh, when we are uh, not, now that we're in the middle of maybe not having willpower, maybe overeating on the weekend or indulging, uh, being um, lazy or whatever it might be, that we know that come Monday, we will have what it takes, right? And, uh, you know, we all know how that happens. We all know uh, what, how we've done that in the past. Uh, then, of course, we start that and we rely on willpower to keep that plan in place. And this actually, the whole concept of relying on willpower, it leaves 
the weight of the changes that we want to make in our life, uh, it, it leaves that weight of those changes on the part of the brain that is ill-equipped to make those decisions and ill-equipped to carry it out. And that is the, the, the relying on willpower. That is relying on the power in the moment to make those changes. Now, willpower has been defined as overriding a feeling in order to act in a way that is different than you feel like acting. I think this is a, an amazing um, definition, one that I got from one of my weight loss coaches. And because willpower is a feeling, right? We feel that we have the power. Maybe we, we would call that feeling empowered. And so the definition of overriding a feeling in order to act in a way that's different than we feel like acting is hitting the nail on the head, right? Because feelings are so hard to override. And I, I think that that's why this definition is so powerful because it really brings to the forefront how we cannot usually overpower those feelings. And willpower is actually discovered in 1988 to be a real thing. Um, prior to that, I don't know what they called it, but um, that was when it began like being researched and being thought of as being a real, you know, a real thing that people try to have, a real thing that people do have or do not have or have a certain amount of. Now, this was really interesting to me coming from 40 years of different weight loss attempts, right? Ever since I was, um, well, 42 years, ever since I was 14, actually, 44 years, ever since I was 12, right? And so um, we used to wonder, like so many other people, as a matter of fact, one of my weight loss coaches has written a, her, her, her initial weight loss book uh, before she became a weight loss coach is called, If I'm So Smart, Why Can't I Lose Weight? And this is the question that plagues everybody. Why? can we have the self-discipline, the willpower, the self-regulation to do things? Sometimes to do very hard things, right? We see like TV personalities and actors and musicians, um, you know, political leaders doing like really hard things, right? Really hard things many times. I mean, we discount some of them, you know, like they make so much money and all they do is get on the screen. But what it takes for them to achieve those goals, take Oprah Winfrey, for example, what it takes for people to achieve those goals is huge. And it takes huge amounts of willpower to do it. So why can we, as a people, have the willpower that it requires to raise children, to work well in a business, to create a nice home, to develop habits and skills, to be successful, like uber successful, and yet still not have what it takes to be able to lose weight and maintain a weight loss. Um, why can we not apply those same self-regulating behaviors that we've applied to these other areas of self-regulation to weight loss? And it's just really, really perplexing, right? That's my weight loss coach's book, I'm So Smart, Why Can't I Lose Weight? Um, we did not know, at least I did not know, my husband and I did not know the amount, the type, and the intensity of willpower that is needed to lose weight. And how that level of willpower is nearly impossible to sustain when it comes to food urges. 
And I'm going to be talking a lot about those different urges and why that is true throughout this broadcast and then solutions to it in the next broadcast. But you stop and think many of the things that people succeed in. They take like outward motivation. They take, um, they take uh, outward self-regulation. So take like an actor or a musician or somebody like that. They take, um, not that they don't take internal grit because they do, but they take things that are more in their control to achieve. But when it comes to weight management and weight loss, we do not have that same level of control because of internal things. So we have all of these problems with our brain and dopamine and serotonin and all of these factors. We have hormone factors. We have um, the uh, automaticity factors where we automatically, our default position is with uh, uh, less than desirable foods for weight control. And, but when we achieve other things, we don't have all these things working against us. And I, that, that is the real difference between having self-regulation and willpower to achieve something outside of you as opposed to something that you have to make your body do. It's really, really interesting because it answers the question, why? You know, why could I, for me, why was I able to write 100 books totaling 50,000 pages, but I couldn't lose 100 pounds? You know, why is that? You know, and it's because I didn't have hormones fighting against me when I was writing books. I didn't have, you know, dopamine spikes, you know, making me go back and eat more and more and more cookies or drink more and more and more soda. Th those factors were not a part of my um, outward successes, but they are a huge part of weight loss. So willpower simply doesn't work for the long term or for the short term, actually. And here are some reasons why. Um, I have some research studies, and you know how I feel about research, right? So there are multiple studies that prove these same things. And that's a really important key in research, right? I don't like pulling research out of my hat and, you know, just saying this is the gospel, right? But I think you'll see as these research studies have been repeated over and over again, the effect that willpower has on our lives and its diminishing capabilities. All right, so the first one is called the radish experiment. And uh, the subjects were supposed to come to the experiment site missing a meal. And uh, they had chocolate chip cookies being piped in. So the smell of chocolate chip cookies. So think when you drive by Burger King. Isn't that amazing how they do that? And so you have the smell of chocolate chip cookies being piped in. And they had in front of them either a um, bowl of chocolate chip cookies, uh, both a bowl of chocolate chip cookies and a bowl of clean radishes. And they knew that they were supposed to do whatever the study indicated. And they didn't know what the uh, um, scientists were measuring. That's important to note too, because you know that would definitely um, thwart the study. Okay, so um, 
they were told to eat in one of three ways. So they were either supposed to eat a couple of chocolate chip cookies or just chocolate around the edges. So they had like chocolate pieces around the edge of the trays in case the person, you know, didn't was not fond of chocolate chip cookies. So anyway, it was a sweet, very, very sweet, sweet fat combo, right? We know what happens with those. All right. And then secondly, they were told to eat a couple of radishes, which I would be in trouble because I don't like radishes. But anyway, then they were, the second group was told to eat a couple of radishes. The third group was told to eat nothing. All right. Um, so they did this. The, the three groups did this. And then they had them do, then they had them go to another room and do puzzles. And um, this was where the uh, intensity, uh, willpower, brain power, um, just that whole uh, how how much do we have? How long does it last come into play? So the people who ate the radishes but resisted eating the cookies or the chocolate, um, they could only do eight minutes of the puzzles before they tired out or unable to, to continue. The people who were allowed to eat cookies, though, they were able to do the puzzles for 20 minutes. So what this speaks to is that making decisions, monitoring emotions, keeping your task performance high with very few errors, all of those things seem different, but they're really all similar um, actions. They're all, they all stem from the same power, that willpower, the part of the brain that we need to be able to resist urges, to be able to have the power to, to power on. And I've seen this in business a lot. I, you know, have to take a lot of business training and things. And, you know, they're always talking about when are you the freshest? You know, when can you, when will you not have the power to do the hardest work that you have to do in a day? It's the same concept. We do the same thing with children as a teacher, you know, and as a teacher to homeschooling parents. I tell them, you know, that let your kids do their hardest subjects when they're freshest. And then, you know, narrow it down so that they're more, they're easier or less difficult challenges are later on when they're fatigued. And so it's the same concept. They all need willpower. And all of the different tasks that I'm describing here have the potential to leave us in a willpower depletion. Okay, so this, there, another research was with beepers, and this was really interesting because it showed how, sorry about that, it showed how many um, hours per day that we have to resist temptations. Because we have a tendency to think of temptations as being, you know, well, I'm tempted to, you know, flip this guy off when he, when he got into my lane, you know, or I'm something bigger, you know, or I'm tempted to, um, get a large and you know go through a drive-through and get unhealthy food or what, what that's not on my plan or i am tempted to eat two plates of spaghetti instead of one right so we have a tendency to think that there are like you know we're just we don't have that many temptations in a day um and we don't think about all the myriad of temptations that we have and how small and big and, and what it really takes throughout a day to live. It's just unbelievable when you think about a 24-hour period and the number of temptations we are faced with in every area of our lives. It's not just with food. So with this beeper uh, study, uh, gave people beepers, and this um, was self-reported. So you, know, you do have to take that into consideration. But there are 
it is repeatable, and that's an important point in studies. Okay, so they were they had a beeper, and they were asked, um, uh, the 400 people were asked um, every time it beeped, yes or no, have you been resisting a temptation at that moment or in the previous 15 minutes? So yes or no when it beeps. Did you have a temptation and were you, you did you have to resist it? Did you have a temptation and you had to resist it? So I'm sure that they were given instructions as to what, you know, look for anything. Like, am I tempted to, you know, skip flossing my teeth today? Am I tempted to throw the pillows on the bed instead of making it neatly when I'm when I get the comforter on? I, I mean, everything you stop and think is a temptation to do one thing or another. And it's not that one thing is bad and one thing is good. It's just a temptation to maybe not do something that you're typically uh, inclined to do or not do something that maybe is better for you than something else. It could be better, but it could just be different also. All right. So they found in this beeper research that we spend four hours per day resisting temptations four hours a day out of our let's say you know 18 16 18 hours of awake wakefulness isn't that unreal and it's no wonder that we have a willpower gap it's no wonder that we run out each day by the end of the day because four hours of our lives were spent trying to resist some type of temptation. Now there are multiple experiments like this, and uh, another one that I found really compelling was um, M&Ms because you know, you know, M&M peanuts are those are life, right? <laughs> to me, you know how much I love my peanut M&Ms. And so they had uh, people sitting in groups, and they either had M&Ms on their table or across the room. And uh, so with this. They then had subjects do things like puzzles and things like the previous uh, group that I alluded to. And they uh, had to, and they found that the ones with the um, M&Ms right on the table uh, could not do the puzzles for even half the time that the ones whose the M&Ms were somewhere else. You heard me say it. You heard me quote Dr. Stephen Guillenay, barriers, right? Isn't that compelling? So the ones that the M&Ms were all across the room, they had more brain power left to uh, perform the puzzles. All right, and then another one last study is uh, a man named Brian Wansink, and he was a researcher who sh his research showed that we make 119 food-related decisions per day. And that seemed like so many to me. And I was just like, how in the world could that even be? And of course, with intermittent fasting, this is going to be reduced drastically, right? I mean, to me, there's no way that I even come to half of that um, because I don't eat for 18 hours a day. So I, you know, decrease those number of um, options, number of times that I would be tempted with food. But just don't think it's everything. Like, you know, do you get a small, do you get a large? Do you put, you know, two packets of stevia or three in your coffee? Do you put, you know, three drips of cream or four? Do you, you know, take a big scoop or do you take half of that scoop? And we are faced with 119 of these a day. Now, based on all of that that we've heard about research and, and um, I mean, about willpower and the depletion of it and how much it takes each day just to live, we can see that we have a willpower gap. And willpower gap means that we don't have enough willpower left to overcome the urges that we are faced with. 
So this can happen a lot of times in the evenings where we've just been spent, right? We've been spent on jobs, we've been spent on children, we've been spent on kids' homework, we've been spent on, you know, trying to cheer the kids up when we pick them up from school, we've been spent on food all day and all of those urges that we had to overcome, and we have just absolutely positively had it, right? And then we just lose it. Right. And I'm in a lot of weight loss groups on uh, Facebook and I see it all the time. I did so great all day until eight o'clock last night or until I put the kids to bed. Right. They, they just ran out. There's a gap between the amount of willpower that we have and the number of hours that we have in a day that require willpower. It is drained and depleted from us from all kinds of decisions and all kinds of actions and it takes like supernatural willpower if you will to resist or what I'm going to be teaching as we grow together as a group here and on my blog and on my channels that um, we sit with the urge instead of like resisting it I'm going to teach about that next week but it takes willpower to resist or sit with the urges of over hunger and over desire all right, now we often think uh, that we don't have enough willpower to stop eating at, or to not eat if we're not hungry and those kind of things. But there are actually two very different things that happen to us with food. And one of them is over hunger and one of them is over desire. And both of these things come into play when it comes to weight management. Over hunger means that we are hungrier than we need to be for our body size um, for, or for the, or the weight goals that we have. Um, it can also mean that we don't hear hunger signals. So maybe it's not so much over hunger as much as we don't hear hunger signals. And I've taught about that so much, right? With ghrelin released from the fundus, the top of the stomach, goes to the brain, tells us that we're full. Um, and when we fill the stomach up with processed foods, with foods that are really small but calorie dense, with liquid calories, all of those things. I've taught about this weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end, right? And you can find those at um, the blog, DonnaReach.com, as well as in the Intermittent Fasting Group, where I teach free every week right here, and um, at my YouTube channel and iTunes at my podcast. But um, ghrelin tells us that we're empty when we're really not empty. You know, we just didn't fill it up very much or with uh, with ghrelin sensitive types of foods. Um, so and leptin tells us that we're hungry uh, when we're really not. And all of those have to do with over hunger. So the over hunger can be a real thing like like we really are hungry, like in the first two or three weeks of fasting. That's real hunger that we're feeling until we get fat adapted and our body gets used to fasting and then we no longer have that, that particular hunger. Um, but then the second part of that is over desire. And over desire comes from many things. It comes from um, uh, processed foods. That the, Once we have processed foods, we keep wanting them. It comes from frequent eating. Once we eat, we want to eat again, and we want to eat again, and we want to eat again, which is one reason why the whole model of eating every two hours does not work. Um, just one of the many reasons that doesn't work. Um, 
sugar and flour and fat concentrations that cause dopamine spikes to be like off the wall. And so the dopamine is spiked and we're like, oh, this is really good. This is going to fill me up. I need this. This tastes good. I want to repeat it. It's a behavioral um, neural pathway, a neurotransmitter. Uh, not real foods lead us to overdesire again due to those neurotransmitters in the brain that tell us we want more and more and more of each of those things. So we have uh, overhunger and overdesire, and both of these things are affected by willpower and um, very, very hard to overcome and not an outward thing. They're inside of us and we have all of these hormones and these neurotransmitters in the brain and so forth. And so it's not just something that we can just, well, I'm going to work harder and I'm going to make my business grow, uh, which isn't easy to do either. Like all kinds of willpower is difficult, but willpower relating to food and fitness is even more difficult because of what's going on with food and hormones and so forth when we eat and drink. So there are a number of ways that we handle willpower ineffectively. And I'm going to be talking about a few of these this week. And then next week, I'm going to be talking about the five ways that we, um, that we can help with willpower. Because that's, I mean, it's, I have thought for ever and ever and ever prior to uh, finding intermittent fasting, actually prior to starting my plant-based supplements. When I found my plant-based supplements, I was like, huh, this affects something. This makes a change in my behavior in terms of sugar, in terms of cravings, in terms of inflammation, in terms of sleep. Hmm, this affects that. Then I started fasting. I was like, wow, I can just not eat for a certain period of time each day and it affects how much I eat when I do eat. And then it's just been a process of growing and growing. So. This whole concept of willpower, always thinking that we are at the effect of it and not realizing that there are things that we could do to counteract it. I don't know about you, but that's like the best news um, that I've heard for a long time in terms of weight management. It's just, it's so amazing because we've always thought there was nothing we could do. This is just how we are. We can't help it. We can't control it. And here, there are things we can do that can make a difference. And some of them aren't even that hard. Who knew, right? How cool is that? But here are some of the ways that we have handled it ineffectively. And number one is eating many small meals and snacks. Now I alluded to this a little bit ago, um, but there is so much research about how debunking this whole myth. Now the first thing that I think that people get tripped up on is that we've heard that if you eat many small meals, you keep your metabolism high so you will burn more calories, right? And if you don't eat very frequently, you keep your metabolism low. And we have found now that that is not the case. As a matter of fact, with intermittent fasting, you increase your metabolism between four and 14%. Multiple research studies show this, that you actually increase your metabolism. And it is because you put your body in fat burning during the fasting period. But the whole concept of small meals every two to three hours, keeping you out of starvation mode, keeps your metabolism high, is, has been debunked. I'm gonna talk about some of this, the research here, but generally speaking, the problem with that as a um, protocol 
is that it doesn't take into consideration that even if you have a little bump in your metabolism, which these studies today that I'm getting ready to show with you show you that that's not true. But even if somebody does have a little bump in metabolism from eating every two hours um, and eating many small meals and snacks throughout the day, that bump in metabolism is not enough to compensate for the number of calories that we're consuming by eating that frequently. Nobody ever told us that. I mean, even when we believed that to, I'm going to eat every two hours. Oh, oh, it's been two hours. I better boost my metabolism with food. I better boost my metabolism with food. Even when we believe that, I don't know if I, if I just never, I don't know what's wrong with us. I don't know why we can't think things through. I don't know why I didn't think this through. But I never stopped to think, hmm, eating every two hours gives me too much more food than I need for the weight I want to weigh. Hmm. So the bump in metabolism does not override the number of calories we consume by eating that frequently. Isn't that interesting? But back to the research. All right. So research number one. This one had morbidly obese people go on fixed calorie diets, and they divided them into three meals a day or six meals a day. All right. But then intermittent fasting, most I recommend that if you can eat twice a day, you're going to be way better off. Um, as far as you're not having to eat nibbles, and you've heard me talk about that. I did a nibble one not very long ago. Um, but uh, they found these morbidly obese people, they were all on a fixed calorie diet, right? Most studies that um, are, are reliable and robust will have people on fixed calories. Even, even people who only believe it's all insulin and it's no had nothing to do with intake, they even cite studies where people are on fixed calories, which I find kind of um, comical because if you don't believe calories make any difference, why would you cite research studies where people are on fixed calories to try to prove what insulin does or doesn't do? So anyway, they were on fixed calories. So that's important to note. So they were, you know, like one wasn't eating um, six times a day and eating a lot more than the ones who ate three uh, times a day. And this study showed no difference in weight loss as well as no difference in health and adherence. That's important too because a lot of people think, well, I can't adhere to two times a day of eating. I can't adhere to three times a day of eating. And uh, this research study showed no difference in weight loss and no difference in the ability to adhere to it or other health benefits. Research number two, this was a closed chamber one, um, which any time and I'm, I'm trying not to get on my research stuff here because I have two more podcasts com broadcasts coming out about that. But um, I do want to point out to you when how you can kind of read a research and say, oh, OK, all right, that that makes sense. I can see how that would work or that research doesn't make sense because of this or that. All right. So research number two uh, is was um, monitoring people over three days and this closed chamber. Um, anytime you have. Uh, where people are um, like in a metabolic ward or they're not like free reporting, it's going to be better. So uh, the, they were in over three days, people ate either three meals or six meals and they were completely standardized. So like the same amount, again, that's important uh, that they weren't just like choosing whatever they wanted to. Again, that's more controlled, right? So we can heed more uh, information from it. So they were in, the they were in closed chambering measuring carbon dioxide and oxygen, and uh, that is how they measure metabolism. That's too sciencey for me, but that is how they measure metabolism. 
and there was absolutely no difference in metabolism for the three meals a day versus the six meals a day. All right, so the other problem, just generally speaking, with hand, trying to handle willpower with many small meals and many snacks is that it works against our body's hormones, right? And um, it, it's really it's really sad because you see people out there just try, I mean, we were those people. I was those people for 44 years, you know, trying to do whatever I heard, you know, and whatever was the latest. And so you see people doing this, not realizing that the very thing that they're doing is keeping their insulin high, and then they don't hear leptin, so they don't know they're satisfied, they don't know they're full, they don't know they need to move their bodies, their insulin is high and their leptin is low. And they're doing it by doing something that they think helps. That's that's what I really hate. You know, that people are doing something that's going to be working the opposite from what would help them. And again, leptin is low, that's the satiety. We are sated, we hear that we are satisfied Satisfaction is a little bit different than satiation, um, but uh, we hear that we are satiated um, or we don't because insulin is so high. Um, we never give ourselves a chance to get hungry with that six meals and, and snacks a day. So we become accustomed to not hearing ghrelin. It's like, I just need to eat a little bit and then in two hours we'll eat a little bit more and we don't even, we don't, we don't get full, we don't get hungry and we don't wait for hunger. To occur. All right, the second way that we've handled uh, willpower ineffectively is by white knuckling and resisting to get us through urges. Um, we know from the three things that I beg you to look at robust research, personal experience, and observations of others around you. We know through those three things that the, that white knuckling does not work. If it worked, then everybody who ever lost 100 pounds, I lost 100 pounds 26 years, 25 years ago. Everybody who ever, and I was like a four. I was the smallest, 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 because I didn't start out as big then as I did this go around for 100 pounds. So um, anybody who's ever lost weight, a substantial amount of weight, would keep it off if this worked. Is that true? Yes, if white knuckling, if we if we can muster up the willpower, we can muster up the um, overcoming of urges enough to um, white knuckle through to 100 pound loss, to a size four, to a size small, we can't continue that white knuckling to maintain. Otherwise, everybody who ever has would, right? We simply run out of willpower to continue without intervening, without intervening with our hormones, our thinking, or our habit building. Spoiler warning for next week, right? We run out of willpower without intervening in those areas. Those are the areas we're gonna learn about next week to intervene to help us with willpower. Um, my weight loss coach describes it as holding a beach ball under the water when you are resisting an urge. So you, you hold the beach ball under the water 
and you hold it and you hold it and you hold it, but you eventually get tired of holding it. Now, when that happens, it's different for different people, your strength that, that day, how much stick to you have, your motivation for holding the beach ball under the water, right? But you hold it under there and then eventually you just let it go, right? And not having enough willpower in general for food and fitness and health is also draining because of the shame and judgment that we put upon ourselves when we run out of it and when we give in to urges, right? I did it again. I'm so stupid. I am so weak. I am so uh, um, incapable. And we heap these judgments upon ourselves for something that isn't even our fault. I mean, I don't have to, time to get into the whole, you know, our hunter-gatherers, our ancestors, and how they got dopamine spikes by finding the best, most fattening, most long-term sustaining foods that they could find. And we still get that same dopamine spike, but we don't need it anymore. We don't need that. And so we have these urges and these hormone, hormonal occurrences and these uh, dopamine and serotonin levels and neurotransmitters in the brain and all of these things that lead us to not have willpower and yet we feel terrible for it and we tell ourselves that we're just horrible and we you know we're just stupid and we're bad people and why why do other people have it but we don't nobody really does right you'll notice the people who are naturally thin they don't use willpower they just don't care about food. I can't wait to tell you about that. Oh my word. I am so excited to be learning and developing the skill in my own life to not really care that much about food. Which is better, being able to resist urges for food or not having the urges? Which would suit us better? Which would help us better in our lives? You know my answer. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be learning these materials. So happy to be applying them into my life. So happy that they're working for my husband and myself. Because that's really the true test, right? All right. I'm going to not get sidetracked again. All right. So the third way that we try to resist willpower is by eating whatever we want but counting something. All right, and in this case, we can count macros, we can count calories, we can count points. I'm not against counting anything. I am not one of those people who puts down everybody else's weight loss approach. But counting doesn't work when we eat whatever we want. And this is why people who try to count without any type of Weight, uh, food boundaries or any types of food protocols put in place do not succeed as much. Now, Weight Watchers, all weight loss methods have a abysmal success rate. I, I mean, it is so sad. It's like um, one tenth of one percent of people lose to their goal weight and keep it off for 10 years. I mean, it's so, 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 so bad. And um, those who those food protocols now ones who are successful with helping people lose weight 
are the ones who change a number of factors like we're doing like we're learning here they change a number of things and one of the things that they change is their the people's food protocol so the the most successful of all are ones who change food protocols with uh, like overeaters anonymous food addicts 12-step programs things like that uh, bright line eating things that have really strict food protocols in place that get rid of processed foods entirely those are the most successful ones Okay, other ones that are pretty successful are ones that get rid of unreal foods, but allow them like one meal a week, not one day, one meal a week. Those are pretty successful. Another one that's pretty successful, especially more recently with the changes is Weight Watchers, the Weight Watchers programs that have um, implemented real foods. My friend was just telling me that when she was on Weight Watchers many years ago, you would get these little like snack well type of things or some, you know, some kind of little package thing that is low fat and stuff like that. And you could eat three of these little things for two points. And now that same thing in Weight Watchers cost eight points. So counting can work for people if they also make a food protocol change with it. And that's what Weight Watchers has essentially done. They've, they've said, we're, you're going to count, but you're also going to have to eat real foods in order to use your points wisely. It's genius, actually. Um, so some people do need to count because they have no idea of the huge amounts of food that they're truly eating. All right. But eating whatever we want and counting doesn't work. And these are some reasons why. Number one, we don't have enough calories for six times a day. And I talked about that in my nibbles, my short, my fast shot, my blog post, and um, I can't remember what broadcast number it is. But I talked about how we have to have nibbles. And so we don't have enough calories to last six times a day. If you have 1,800 calories, which would be very generous for a woman, especially a woman over 50 like me, even though I work out every day, five days a week, that would be really unusual. So, um, there's not enough calories for six times. So 1,800 divided by six is 300 calories a time. It, it, it just doesn't work. So that is if you put whatever you want in those times, you would eat like, um, what is, I think like, like a McDonald's chocolate chip cookie you might have 260 calories or something. You would, eat, you would eat one thing each time, right? All right. Um, also, another reason that doesn't work, eating whatever you want, not changing any food protocols, is that eating highly palatable foods will spike dopamine repeatedly. And this is why we can stop at one apple, but we can't stop at one cookie. So that's another reason why eating whatever you want, but trying to count something while you do it doesn't work. A third reason is that whatever we want is so calorie dense that if we are counting anything, we'll only be able to eat a few things a day. So let's take a calorie counter who, um, even intermittent fasting, a calorie counter who um, wants to eat 1,600 calories, okay? Wants to eat what it takes to maintain a weight of 140. All right, so, um, and they're kind of active, all right? That person who's counting calories um, but wants to eat whatever she wants would only be able to eat one donut, one shake, and one Big Mac for the whole day. So you can see how eating whatever you want and counting um, does not help with the willpower either. As a matter of fact, those particular foods are going to spike your 
your uh, dopamine and you're going to be have less willpower than you than you could have even if you'd eaten you know all fruits and vegetables during those times all right so i am excited i think i've mentioned that and i know i get excited a lot i get excited about a lot of things i'm excited i'm an excitable person but i'm excited to help people learn what i've learned about this one critical weight loss mistake some simple tweaks in what we eat when we eat and how many times we eat each day can completely change the brain power willpower issues some simple tweaks in what we eat when we eat and how many times we eat can completely change the hormonal issues that keep us craving over hunger over hungry and giving into urges I'd love to teach you how to practice intermittent fasting so we can help our brain and our body work for us rather than against us and I can help you in a more intimate and more thorough more incremental way in my weight loss course intermittent fasting course it's a one-month course it starts the first Monday of each month so the next first Monday of next month we will be starting um, again just in time to get control of all of this for the holidays so I hope you will join me there um, I also am going to include a plexus video and talk about plant-based supplementation I'm going to include a plant a plexus video about our hunger control slim that also helps with um, over hunger and filling up the stomach that's another thing that that you can also use supplements coffee all kinds of things to help you um, with over hunger as well so I'm going to put that down in the um, show notes and I look forward to next week when we get to the five ways that we can help solve this willpower gap um, I'm excited I can't wait to bring it to you see you then